Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, whenever you're hearing this, seeing this. The title of this evening's Dharma talk is? Full intention. Full, F-U-L-L, full intention. So this is just a way of talking about this. We're talking about the mundane path of getting somewhere, accomplishing something, learning something. Having some say-so, some authority about a particular topic or subject, whatever it may be, very powerful, should not be ignored. We're not trying to erase, change out, or supplant that approach. Everybody needs to live in this world, make a living, support their family, and so on. So that goes without saying. However, in this particular monastery, we are not to create something separate from society, but rather trying to, endeavoring to create a spiritual path that is right in the middle of society, not on a mountaintop. And even though this is a monastery, it's not particularly cloistered away from everything else. Also, there are no nuns here. Male and female are monks. So the intention to do something get a degree in biology it takes uh, an intention to do that and that takes a different uh, combination of work involving goal setting and accomplishing this accomplishing that spiritual path is a little bit different than that it is not about results it is about practice it is about intention this is why this the title of this talk is full intention a full intention means that don't spend too much too much time looking at results looking at how you're doing are you getting better are you improving if you do that then you're using the structures of the mundane path to evaluate the spiritual path so that your ego feels more cozy this also does not mean that as you go along in your meditation practice that you won't feel some changes you won't notice that you're a little bit better at listening to people, a little bit better at listening to people and not making any particular comment on what they're saying that actually stops you from understanding what they're saying. Anytime something shows up and you comment on it, you immediately obstruct any further investigation into what is being said. I don't believe anything I say. Consider it. If you're listening, you could consider it. You could reflect on it. See if it shows up in your mind stream in a way that is helpful to you, fundamentally helpful to you. You might be thinking, you may be thinking that I'm drinking coffee so that I can think of what I'm going to say next. I don't think, so therefore I don't plan. So therefore I don't know where I'm going. Lucky for you. Otherwise, this you would be talking to some kind of an oligarch or a boss. So if you give your full intention to practicing, to training your mind, your full intention to it, you won't spend too much time off to the side calculating how you're doing, you're getting ahead, are you making any progress? Is your neurosis subsiding? Is your anxiety subsiding or going away? As you've heard me say, if you listen to me very much, 
things might get worse because you might have spent the last 20 years uh, covering up what your main problem is. More than likely, that's been the case. So the idea here with the, with the spiritual path is it about it is about awareness. It's about awareness of what's moving in the mind stream of what's moving in the life stream. It's about your awareness of it. It's not about grasping that, manipulating it, getting rid of it, uh, turning a, a turtle into a duck. Let it be a turtle. Let it be what it is. When I say let, even that's a little extra. That's that's giving a little bit of authority to the ego that can say, "Well, I can just let that be." No, you can't. You can't let anything be. Everything's out of control. The ego, when it starts to see things going out of control, it starts to look for handholds, footholds, um, anything that can do any guidelines, any structure that it can do to secure its what false identity of someone going somewhere. Billions, billions of people are doing this and living just fine this way. They live from life to death, life to death, death to life, and death to life, and death to life. You all know this, I'm not telling you anything new. But if you're interested in this, then I might be able to show you something different about uh, you as a living being, where you can understand more deeply your spiritual nature, rather than just be attached to the mundane uh, functions of success, and failure, and life, and death, and right and wrong, and up and down, back and forth, keeping the precepts, breaking the precepts. So when you hear me say, listen, to very much you hear me say just observe shikantaza just precisely the shikantaza just precisely this just observe this sit symmetrical hold still watch what continues to ramp up move or run down the walkway just observe that don't follow it don't ignore it and don't stop it passion aggression and ignorance the three ways the three poisons as it is called in classical traditional Buddha Dharma. So in order to have this full intention, you might have to notice the way you keep looking for results, looking for, well, if I just do this and this and this, I'll get that. It's not a transaction. It might have a transactional function on occasion situationally. So it may show up as a transaction a little bit. And we just, we just notice that. But as far as any kind of ramping things up so that it's more about tit for tat or cause and effect or if i do this i'll get that then we're we might have a use a lot of fancy even sanskrit words but it's still a mundane path there are dharma teachers and i'm not picking anyone out or choosing anybody or criticizing anybody who profess to teach the spiritual path who are teaching the mundane path i'm not against that I'm not saying, oh, come and study with me because I'm, I'm teaching the true dharma. No, not at all. I'm saying some people are ready to do it this way. Some people need to do it the other way. Some people just need to do, if they're doing any meditation at all, might just need to do a half an hour, 15, 20 minutes every other day of mindfulness training. Sit down and just follow the breath or do some simple technique like that. Not wrong, not incorrect. If you're hearing this and that's what you're doing, I'm not correcting you. I'm just saying, just be aware of what you're doing. But there again, 
it's also if you're already find yourself evaluating or looking for am I in the first bhumi or the second bhumi or the third bhumi stages on the path of the bodhisattva uh, just notice that you don't have to stop doing that you don't have to stop evaluating it is about we go again awareness of it it's a totally different approach than just using the thought process, the analytical mind, the incredibly intelligent mind to analyze, come to conclusions, and use inductive, deductive reasoning on anything and come up with product, product, product. When I say product, what I mean, what I mean is results of some kind, some kind of product about the mind. You'll notice that the, the big changeover is you're looking at it, and then instead of looking at it as you would in awareness practice, observe, observe, observe. Instead, we start to think about that. As soon as you take whatever you're looking at and observing in the, uh, in the mind stream and you start to abandon that for something about it, relatively accurate as that may be, it will take you in a circle. It just doesn't look like one. It looks like a straight line. You don't notice that subtle curve where it's curving right back to where it started before. You can learn a lot from watching the moon. A full intention. So the idea is to notice that your how your intention is not full it's your an intention as a meditator you sit down take up a symmetrical posture all the senses are open and i'm receiving you uh, endeavor to practice shikantaza or beginner's mind you just sit down and begin to receive and then you notice there's an evaluation situation that comes up like it might show up as a i'm really sleepy uh, what can i do about that how can i not be sleepy there are different ways of teaching this. You've heard me probably say, fall asleep, pay attention to your body. We're not trying to separate as they were in ancient times where there was a machismo of trying to control the mind and make the mind do this and get, get into a jhana state. Not interested in that. If you're interested, I'm probably not gonna be able to help you. It's not about controlling the mind. It is not about that kind of discipline. The discipline that is being referred to here is observing the form. You, or you, or you, or you, may, when you observe the form, may align yourself with it in such a way that someone watching you might actually comment that form as I understand it, that person is following that form perfectly. Another person may function in that form, and you may say, they seem to be a distance away from the way that form shows up. It's not about correct and incorrect, it's about observing the form, and how you observe it may be a lot different than how someone else observes that. So the intention, as far as I'm concerned here, and what I'm referring to or teaching about is to save all beings. This is a vow of the Bodhisattva. This is the path of the Mahayana, the Bodhisattva Yama. Putting everything aside and just putting all of your attention on helping others. And that service to others may be minding your own business. You might be right in the midst of a, of a, a melee of some kind, some kind of difficulty. And if, you, if you're on receive, if you've really been practicing this and you've really been watching at the chaos in your own mind without obstructing it, agreeing with it, or shutting down on it, you might realize the very nature of chaos is peace. 
What does that mean? You can't have one without the other. Chunk Rinpoche called it orderly chaos. How clever of him. So the idea is to give it your full intention, all of your intention on whatever is moving and just receive that. No comment, make no comment. If it's uh, rough and raw and ragged around the edges, the emotion or the feeling or the perception, just observe. Don't accept it like, I just have to accept this. Don't accept anything. Start accepting things, you're increasing the ego idea of being separate from everything, but oh, but we're going to be a really good ego. We're going to be an ego that accepts. I'll just be with this. I'll just accept this. Baloney. Don't accept, don't reject, don't look away. Don't accept passion. Don't reject aggression. And don't look away. Ignorance. That's the practice. That's the practice of the of the Mahayana Buddhist. And that's the practice of the Mahayana Buddhist. The Mahayana of course, begins to uh, observe the vow to be with all things, the vow to do good, not do harm in a very simple way. So when you see, when you observe, when you see chaos in your own mind, in your own mind stream, or in your own life stream, in your sangha, in your community, do not intercede to correct and fix and be the helper person. Don't get your identity from thinking of yourself as being helpful. If you think of yourself as being helpful, this is the very nature of ego. I don't care how relatively helpful you are. And you might be. You might have saved a lot of animals, or you might have saved a lot of people in Port-au-Prince. Anyway, I'm not saying you wouldn't have done that. But it's a mundane path of saving people, bandaging them up, and giving your life to them in that way. Not incorrect. It's just not a Mahayana path. It's a highly refined, re, refined and uh, selfless path from the point of view of what you're doing. But from the point of view of what you are, you're just getting a credential from it. Some more than others. Some are... 99 and so many percentiles into helping others. There's still a little reservation for themselves of what they've, what they've done, what they're doing. Well, at least I'm helping. Well, at least. Or said that to yourself. Well, at least I'm. That's ego language. You need to get rid of the ego? No. Why? Because it's not real. You have to see that it is unreal before it will. Uh, lesson, it's grip, it's grip of hope and fear, hope for something better, fear of something worse. You don't see it, but nothing terrible. You just live the rest of your life uh, thinking that you're right and other people are wrong. Thinking that some people are correct, some are incorrect, some people are really good, some people are really bad. This is an incredible misunderstanding that is easy to see why people do that. Right and wrong are extra and protect you from seeing the true nature of your world and of your mind. Shoto. Shoto bowing. I believe you said that 
saving a bunch of animals or people is the mundane path. Yes. So when we're endeavoring to, our intention on the spiritual path is to save all beings. Yes. What kind of saving is that? Start with yourself. Starting with your own thought pattern. Stop killing your thoughts and stop resurrecting your thoughts and stop ignoring your thoughts. More. It's not a clear question. I'm just really curious about that. When we want to save all beings, it seems like just save their life, but it seems like you're saying something other than that. Yeah, I am. What is it that fundamentally helps somebody? Not meddle with them. Don't meddle with people without their permission. And when they give you permission, make damn sure that it's actually permission rather than they don't know what else to do. So they're going to turn the whole garbage heap over to you, pay you a fee or whatever. Go ahead. You got to ask me the right questions to get really good answers. Ask me shitty questions. I'm going to give you a shitty answer. <laughs> Is that funny? Mm-hmm. Sure, I mean, can, can we relatively help somebody and still fundamentally help them? I think so. I think you can do both. But I think if you're just, if you're just helping them because there's a, a very subtle, not always, but very subtle condescension that you're kind of better than they are, you're more advanced, you're more knowledgeable, you're more, you're a bodhisattva after all, and you're helping them because you're, because you fundamentally don't uh, respect them. You actually think that their confusion is real and you think your clarity is real about their confusion. You cannot be clear about someone else's confusion. The very nature of duality, uh, make it look like you can, because that's duality, but ultimate reality is, uh, that's not the case. Go ahead. Sure, fine. What, what is helping, um, what is helping people that's not us coming out from our better situation? You have to say more. I hear you, but I'm not sure what you're looking for. What do you want to know? Am I doing okay? Sure, where where are we meeting people at when we help them? Are you saying it relatively help them? You know, give them some huh? fundamentally. Don't separate yourself from them. You're not any better than anyone else. Even if you've uh, if you're a tenth boomy bodhisattva, no better. There's no there's no comparison. There's no, there's no gradation happening there. And why is there no gradation? I'll answer that because you're not separate from them. There are not two things anywhere. It just intensely looks like it. That's called illusion or delusion. Illusion if you're seeing it, delusion if you're proceeding into it. Go ahead. So to help people, do we have to lose our status? Uh, what do you mean by status? Just thinking of that example where we might be doing relatively a little bit better, so we have the means to, to reach down and help somebody up. And if they'll lose it, but be aware of, the, of the, that's functioning. Be aware that that's... <clears throat> Sometimes people are very... A person could be a nurse and do absolutely be a wonderful nurse. He, she, or they can be really, really helpful to people. But sometimes uh, people, I'm just picking, not picking on nurses particularly, 
but not only can they be incredibly helpful and be service oriented and putting their whole body mind into service of others, of course, but also there are people who are in that area who are really doing that because it helps them feel like a helping person. So it's more about a very subtle form of uh, egocentrism where they get, and it's not wrong I'm saying people shouldn't do that, but it is something that takes one in circles, lifetime to lifetime. So you would, you would be, sometimes you can tell by the tone of somebody's voice if you've been in a hospital, when they come to the room, just how they talk to you. The tone of voice they use, as to how much they're actually there with you as being another human being, or are they some special person who is helpful, who doesn't really talk to you like you're a real person. Slight condescension. Do you ever notice that? Been in the hospital? They let you out of there. <laughs> well, you fought. Do you see? Do you see the distinction I'm making? I'm not. I'm not saying against someone getting credit for that. They're thinking that they're doing something good. I'm just saying, but it is uh, narcissism. It's a, a, a polished form that doesn't show up in society as being particularly problematic, whereas other kinds show up as being very problematic. Right. So, how can we meet someone with where they're at and still have our status that feels above them? It can be done, but you have to be aware of that. Just have to be aware that you're you're thinking you're you're condescending to them. Still be able to help them, but you have to look at the credential orientation that's happening there. What you're trying to get out of it for yourself. It's not really not really fundamental generosity that doesn't look for a payback. But it's it's one that you're getting some kind of a credential out of it. If you're aware of that, that's enough. You don't have to change it. Trying to change and manipulate things, we're right back into spiritual materialism. Trying to be a better, higher more elevated, more correct bodhisattva. If it looks like someone else is confused and I see that I'm separating myself from them, I don't want to be around them or be associated with them, how do I meet them where they're at? So, good question. So it's very situational. I mean, if it's somebody you're working with, it's a situation. You work with that person on the same counter or same room every day. So that's a situation. Then it's uh, somebody you're in a relationship with, divorce them. <laughs> of course, you're not getting it married before you get a divorce. Um, so I'm being a little silly, but I'm just saying it's, it's very situational. Uh, if, if I'm going to address that, in terms of somebody you can actually get away from, I would say get away from them. So, because you, you don't need to put yourself in a, in a situation uh, to try to be present or be helpful or, or not be meddling with them. There might be a dynamic that that person's style. We've talked about this a little bit about people that you've had a relationship with uh, that are just difficult. And because of the structure, for instance, if it's your boss, you know, it's not something you can do anything about. But the job, can't because of the structure of uh, society, relative truth, you can't do much about that. But you could just not stay there and go somewhere else. More about that? I miss something? Uh, in the meantime, before I quit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I just notice 
avoiding my boss as much as possible and feeling a strong question question is it um is it not helpful to avoid him and no avoid avoid yes don't don't go into a uh, don't go into a snowstorm when when you don't have to but when you don't you don't have to go into that so stay back be respectful of the situation uh if he says how's it going you say greet uh, him or her and so work with it as it is but don't don't go in and try to be you know, some, uh, you know into some situation live up to some kind of a standard or credential of being a good helpful bodhisattva whatever did i get come close to what you're no stay away but also don't give yourself the other kind of thing like oh, i'm staying away and chickening out i should be able to work with him why can't i work with him no don't don't fight with relative truth don't agree with it don't fight with it don't ignore it those are the three that that takes can take a whole lifetime of awareness practice can take decades and decades and also depending on the karma that you came into this world with you, know, you might be able to do it in 10 15 years fast track Shokabai, when there is somebody that you find yourself avoiding, is it a misunderstanding to think that at some point you should be able to do otherwise? Yeah, that's that's kind of jumping out of it and looking for some kind of credential. So you should you should just be with whatever's happening, wherever it's at at that particular you know three o'clock in the afternoon. That's what's happening. Don't, don't abandon the situation for you for what you think it could be or what you know some kind of imaginary thing that if you can just get things right you can eventually be with that person causes and conditions are so incredibly complicated and vast from the point of view of pratyasamupada or dependent origination that unless you've got a good dose of dependent origination in your own mind stream you're not going to be able to see it in the world that's why we sit and face the wall, so we can get to know what the mind is by watching it hour after hour after hour. So when you get up off the cushion and go into the world, then you go into it with a really sharp blade, not a dull butter line. Really see your own self-deception and see that of others. Not about correcting it, it's about seeing it, about seeing the self-deception. Because if you start correcting, then the ego mind will join in and start being the one who's kind of decided to be a much better person. Anyone in uh, on Zoom? Have a question? Thank you, Valley. I'm just acknowledging. Uh, go ahead. Um, you said don't separate yourself from the other person. Yeah. And you also said avoid them if, yeah. if it shows up. Um, well, you, to me specifically. Yeah. So well, is, you have multiple personalities, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Is avoiding someone separating myself from them? Yes, it is. But but it's about the awareness of that, not getting some kind of a negative credential. Negative credentials are just as uh, our fuel for ego, just like positive credentials. Ego has to be starved, and that is not comfortable. And I don't know if it can be particularly starved in the mundane path, but somewhat. There are things that you could do 
cognitive behavioral therapy and different kinds of therapy address this in some ways, but I don't know, and I'm not saying there isn't one, but I don't know of a therapy that goes uh, past uh, presumptions about the nature of personality. So the credential, one direction, I'm doing well, I'm doing bad, I'm not doing enough, passion, aggression, ignorance. And it's not wrong, that's not incorrect, not something you bad. You shouldn't, but it's about the awareness of that. Then it will change gears when it needs to, because that by, by watching what is happening rather than meddling with it, by watching what is happening rather than stopping it, by watching what is happening rather than validating or justifying or explaining or blaming something or someone for it, by just being with that, you could say it that way, just receiving whatever that is, then if something needs to be done about that, it will show up in the context of that situation. We just, it'll just, you'll just know it's called choiceless, but it's not going to be choiceless if you're busy trying to evaluate and make the right choices. You're not going to ever hear me say you have to make the right choices. I might say something quite contradictory. You can't make any choices. If you think you're making choices, that's the extent of your delusion and the extent, the degree to which you are away away from your true nature, your awakening. No one makes any choices. Um, what is the very nature of peace? What? What, what is the very nature of peace? War. War. Makes sense. Does it? Thanks for the help. A lot of room for questions there. I, I said something that that you can't you can't kind of calculate or figure out particularly. Okay. Earlier, I think you said the very nature of war is peace. That is what I said. Yeah. Ask how? me a question about it. Not a how question. Don't ask me how. Don't ask me when. Where? <laughs> Where is peace? <laughs> Smart ass. <laughs> you lived here too long. <laughs> you go get a job. Oh, wait a minute, you have a job. Okay, go ahead. Uh, wherever you want to go with it. How do we? How do we see the nature of war when it seems like we're always fighting it? Just look at the war. When I say don't go to war, you hear me say that over and over again. I know you can't stop that. But if I say don't go to war, then your awareness comes to the area where you seem to be some kind of contention is going on with you and something else. You're fighting with something in your mind stream. You're fighting with something in your living room or in your community or in your family. Some kind of war is going on. Don't go to war. Don't go to peace. Take, don't say, take sides with anything. Taking sides is the nature of war. That's why I say the nature of peace is war, because it's a relative situation. There isn't anything, as far as the, the four marks of existence, uh, suffering, egolessness, uh, impermanence, and peace. The last one, which means that if the very nature of it, uh, is peace, but it wouldn't have a name like that. 
the very nature of reality without any commotion is peace. Go ahead. Something that I have difficulty with is anger. So what is the discomfort that arises when I feel like that's so uh, what is it you want to know? I understand your question, but can you, there's something you want to know there. What is the discomfort with negativity? Well, we think it's that we're having that there's a person. It's misunderstanding about personhood. There's no, there is that anger is dependently arisen. You're not going to be able to stop anger. You're not going to be able to stop or control anything because it is dependently risen. That means there's no separate things anywhere. But the identity that is false and that thinks they, she or they are somebody who is, me, who is having that experience, that creates the polarity between subject object, between, between the subject who is observing and the object who is object which is the which is the anger or which is another person or any otherness any otherness reality is empty of otherness it doesn't say that the illusion isn't everything is something else of course it is we're here i'm here you're here we all see this incredible ongoing illusion of something else all the time and it's very very convincing It's a relative truth, absolute truth. Nothing is happening. I'm just noticing that picture of me. And I'm doing a mudra I've never seen before. <laughs> More. Shogun, when one of the your precepts is don't do harm. How can I work with the harm that arises in relation to the anger? Because I don't want that to. Yes, I understand harm. that. It's a very relative thing. That pure precept is very relative. It's meant that way. Don't do harm, just do good. And that's going to show up differently for you or for anyone, dependent upon what the situation and all of the other things that that give that some kind of a, of a uh, description or, uh, or uh, something you can have a story about how it's happening, what's happening, who did it, who's going to stop it, who's to blame for it. It's just such an elaboration. So sitting practice will help you be more um, minimal about that. So you can see more closely what's happening, but the unwillingness to see what's happening fundamentally, because that's scary, will be covered up by what am I about to say? Thoughts about it, which is what you're having. Your Something arises that you don't want and you begin to have thoughts about it. And what I'm saying is you can't stop the thoughts about it, or the evaluation or the elaboration or the conclusions or the blame of someone or something. Sometimes it's the easiest way for ego is just to blame somebody else, some society, some situation. 
blame the state, blame the family, blame, blame, the, blame the politicians, which relatively could be causing chaos, but the, but the ultimate or the relative understanding in your own body-mind complex uh, can be handled without going to war with politicians or carrying placards or something. I think you couldn't do that too, but it might be good to have a primary understanding come out of awareness of what's happening in your mind stream so that you don't, uh, as it says in the Tibetan tradition, don't uh, transfer the cow's load to the ox. In other words, something is happening here, we want to blame something else. Something else is, and that keeps us in that that complex, uh, that structure of self-centeredness, of ego, of the 12 links on the chain of existence, uh, grasping, of uh, feeling, uh, desiring, and grasping. A question from Marco in the Netherlands. Marco. Sometimes it is said, return to the breath. Is that what you mean with killing the thoughts? Um, not exactly. I think returning to the breath is a, that's a basic uh, shine or uh, a shamatha practice, which is valid. Uh, if you're going to have that kind of a practice, uh, shamatha vipassana or Shine and Lakhtung, then you need to have a teacher who's teaching that. Just read it out of the book. Uh, Shikantaza is actually a little of each, but it's situational in that you may be doing uh, a uh, returning to the breath because that's moving. You could sit and do, spend uh, three hours just watching your breath, and that would be Shikantaza. But it's the fastening down on trying to maintain that that is Shine or, or calm abiding or resting in tranquility taught by the most of the Tibetan lineages. Not wrong, no, I think it's wrong. It depends on the situation you're in. Depends on the teacher. Very important to have a teacher. And so, uh, killing your thoughts, uh, what I'm referring to there is not so much returning to the breath, but uh, um, just having a war with what you're thinking, trying to stop thinking this or trying to trying to do something other than just receive the thoughts. Just watch the thoughts come in the front door and go out the back. If you have any comment on the thought, it will it will take on a reality that you impute and it will make itself at home. If it's jealousy, if it's passion, aggression, ignorance, it will make itself at home. If you do anything, you fiddle with it. It's like a ghost walking through your house. You see the ghost, but you don't say anything. The ghost notices that you don't, it has no say so about you because uh, you don't recognize it. You see it, but you're not going to say, hey. But if you do, the ghost will turn to you and say, you can see me? And you say, not really. I'm just using that as a simile. It's just uh, that area is, does in some people, and so in some, that whole area that those deeper consciousness levels do show up in different ways. There's no consistency to it enough to write a book about as far as I'm concerned. Um, a question from Shane in Virginia. Shane, you just, where do you get all these questions from? Like I get more questions from Shane than just than everybody in the whole monastery. It's just, a, is that making very questionable? Go ahead, give me your question, Shane. I love you, Shane. Give me your question. Do you ever hold back anything? Yeah. I hold my, back my hatred for you. 
How am I doing? No, I don't. And this doesn't mean that I am not in a situation where where I'm seeing that that whatever is happening in that situation, I might put a tether on that somewhat. Well, a little bit. But it's the idea there is how can I how can I observe those vows? How can I observe the three the three purity the three uh, three pure precepts? Do no harm. Sometimes that isn't always so clear. So sometimes uh, rather than do anything at all, you might hold back and watch, like I sometimes say over and over again. Don't do anything unless you have to. And if you feel like you're kind of drawn to doing something, if you can, like uh, responding to uh, Shane's question, is hold back a little bit. It's uh, a fancy word for that is patience. Hold back. Stay in the stay. Don't run into the dentist chair. Stay in the office. Stay in the waiting room. Not a very good metaphor, but it's like that. It's like wait a little bit. Wait and see. See if the causes and conditions that are always moving don't come into an, another formation where you might say, you might think to yourself, you might perceive, I can just let this go by. I don't need to intervene this. Or that this is something where I need to step into the into the situation and stop that person from from kicking their dog. Just using that as an extreme example. If you look at it. Be choiceless. You're not going to get all philosophical and say, "Well, it's not my dog," and it's, um, it's uh, speculate about why you shouldn't inter- interfere or something. Very situational. A question from Lyd, Lyd. I live with a 13-year-old. I spend a lot of time correcting rude behavior. I'm afraid I'm meddling too much. Any advice? <laughs> so I would, uh, Lid, I would have to meet you, and I would have to meet uh, your uh, roommate or your house guest, or your son, <laughs> whatever that son, daughter, whatever that may be. Um, I think less is better in that area, but don't. So again, it would be very situational, but try to be with them without the correction and without the evaluation as much as you can for as long as you can. And another thing you can ask is that when the rude behavior shows up, and I have no idea what you mean exactly, but sometimes you just can't do anything with that because of the structure of the rude behavior and the force behind that is quite often just fear. And so they, they, there's so much fear there that they don't know. The only way they can cover it up is just to just make enemies, make everybody against them. And this gives them because this gives them a feeling of power, temporary, but it's all you want is temporary. If you can just get a little bit of it, you're going to take it just to be rude. And that way everybody knows that you're rude and you're not going to put up with anything. And so it gives you a little bit of artificial, uh, temporary uh, armor against the onslaught of what life, especially if you're 13, what difficult time. We all remember those of you who aren't 13 still. And we remember how difficult that is, how we're trying to find out who we are and what our identity is and what life is and what sex is. And what, 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 it's just a, so I would, I would say give the person the benefit of the doubt as much as you can and ask them, take an interest in them, not, not like uh, taking an interest uh, to manipulate them, but it doesn't have to be very much. They can barely even notice it. It doesn't mean like how do things go at school? It could be something that's more about you, I mean, maybe getting could be any number of things. And I'm just going to suggest something. It could be something about 
something you're reading. You say, I just read this article on this. Why don't you read that? Tell me what you think about that. I'm not sure quite what to make of it. They'll be able to read you. They might even know that you're kind of up to something. But since it's but since it's a, something you get to read and they get to give you their opinion on, uh, this is that's kind of a powerful thing for an adult to put a young person in. And you could like like might change the frequency of your inner interaction instead of you just trying to correct uh, functioning in the role that he, he or she I don't know if it was a boy or girl is trying to ask you and someone that he can control through irritating you. Question from Jethro in the UK. Jethro. At the point one notices thoughts have carried one away, what do we do or not do? I have heard some Zen practitioners imply that they drop the train of thought, but I suspect this is rejection or aggression. The only thing I would say is, is check, are you holding still? Are you sitting in a symmetrical posture relatively? Are you, are you uh, not forcing yourself to sit there, even though your leg hurts? Pay attention to your body. Don't force yourself to do anything. It's a misunderstanding, you know, macho kind of thing that's been going on for centuries of men trying to control other men, basically. So uh, don't do anything. Allow the mind to wander. The, the mind needs a large, like a cow, needs a large pasture. Let it wander. And that's not me talking, that's a paraphrase of Suzuki Roshi, who wrote the book of Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. Control nothing. Watch the, the controlling action of the ego that wants to control this. It doesn't want to control that. It wants to be left out of this. Just observe. Just observe. Observe what's happening. Another question from Shane. Shane. What do you do while you're blaming someone else? What do I do? Tell me, What do I do when I'm blaming someone else? Feel really bad. And if you're speaking about what would my recommendation be when you find yourself blaming, is just observe that. Just if you have a strong sitting practice, over time, that blaming situation will show up more and more, uh, say, will be less uh, kind of gooey and cloudy and more crisp. You'll see more and more the very precise way that the ego mind works to actually stop something or start something or assume control of something that it is fundamentally a part of because ego is dependently risen also. So just observe. Takes a long time. You can't do this in three weeks, three years. Takes a long time. I see Carmen in there. Hello, Sokazan. Miss all of you. Other questions from anywhere? Anywhere? Christopher Valley. Um, so, a while ago, many moons ago, um, you gave the quote 
see who you are, don't settle for shit. Um, how can we become more aware or observant um, in the mind stream to discern if we're settling or not? Just practice a lot. Christopher's asking, asking about don't, when I say don't settle for some kind of identity. So don't settle for shit. So just watch the identity is discontinuous. And if you're if you're operating, if there's some kind of fear happening, it's going to solidify around a particular kind of identity, albeit positive, negative or neutral or all the nuance uh, around the Zodiac. So don't settle. So in other words, don't also don't arbitrarily uh, um, dismiss or dismiss, try to try to keep some more openness happening artificially. It takes a while to do this. It takes many, many hours of awareness training. Any further questions? Anyone, anyone else in here? In the Zendo? Anyone on, uh, I almost called on you, but you're picking your nose. <laughs> <laughs> That can be, it's a, it's a signal. It's, I think it's American Sign Language, isn't it? <laughs> what does that mean? Choke up. Earlier you were talking about blame and you talked about how um, there could be a cloudiness and then you talked about how there could be more of a precision around it. Yes. When we're... What is the, the precision of blame? The precision of blame is when the ego has got its all donuts all in a row and can actually has a, can present a very concrete, crisp, and delicious tasting case against you. You did it. You know what this is about. You've done it. I'm not saying you're doing it these days, but I've seen you do it in the past where you collect uh, evidence against someone, and then you promote it. <clears throat> it's very precise in its insanity. I'm not saying you're insane, any more than the rest of us are. I'm certainly insane, or I couldn't do this. But I'm just saying that, you follow me a little bit? I'm saying you, you can get very, very, you know, every little detail of the of the case against someone who caused some problem for you or, or whatever maybe it's a an extreme form of that uh, and i can it's just crazy i remember many years ago a, a friend of mine from high school uh was, was a an artist and uh, we had a kind of a pretty good relationship and he would come out back in the 60s a long time ago and he would come and i, I could tell there's something having some difficulty and the person uh, actually brought out uh, comic books or the funny papers, you know, the, the, the Sunday comics used to come in the newspaper. I don't know if they do anymore and actually point out areas where he was being discussed in the comics. It was very, very precise. He would be very precise about, look, this character said this, and this is a, uh, this is my, look, my name is here and look how much this person looks like me. And, you know, it was, Incredible, uh, very precise paranoia. That's what I'm talking about. Shogun, is there a precision that 
rises with the awareness. With wisdom? Yes, there is. It's completely precise. It doesn't miss anything. When it doesn't miss anything, that doesn't mean there's lots of separate things. Wisdom shows up uh, one stair step at a time or the whole damn escalator. Or both. And since there's no one there, there no, one is per, per, no one is perplexed. Another way of saying that is you don't need anything. You don't need clarity. You don't need wisdom. You don't need to be a Buddha. You don't need anything anymore. Go ahead. One thing, I take that back, one thing you do need is uh, students that are uh, paying attention. You need some students, I think. Maybe, maybe we don't need students. We need students. Do you need students? I'm a teacher you need students. Those are, those are beautiful ear studs, yeah. Nice. Are those real diamonds? Who bought those for you? I did? Yeah. Oh. You just didn't know. I didn't know it. <laughs> Got me there. Did I know that? I knew that I didn't know it. See? She's a monk. She knows how to talk in circles. <laughs> uh, we're past nine, but if there's another question or two, I can take that. You hung, don't you have a question? My goodness, a whole evening with no questions? He doesn't have a question. Okay. I was going to respond in Mandarin, but <laughs> you missed, missed your chance, or I missed my chance. Ninang Bangmoma. You Hong Actually, I can. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so tonight at six o'clock, said you mentioned that everything is stored yes what does that mean over years do the things stored do they change oh. yeah they 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 change and they don't change again more polarity there's war and peace change and no change but everything is stored in other words nothing goes anywhere things change form and they show up and they look like they're going away but they don't go anywhere this is the, the nature of dependent origination. So they morph into this and that, and they look, you know, we think, oh my, uh, uh, like uh, General Electric said, their slogan back in the 50s, progress is our most important progress, uh, product. There is no progress. There's no progress other than the illusion we attribute to that. We're not saying that the incandescent lamp isn't quite as good as the LED in different ways, but so there's a, there's a difference there, but the fundamental situation is not changing. Everything gets stored. Every thought, every emotion, every memory, everything is stored. Nothing, nothing goes anywhere. It just changes. And then if you see it ultimately, then nothing happens at all. As, uh, as only in the 16th Karmapa said, nothing happens. It's an ultimate teaching. But it's not something you can understand relatively. You have to actually look at the nature of impermanence, the nature of the mind, the nature of the coming and going of the mind stream, constantly creating this and getting rid of that, creating this and getting rid of that. Sir. Sure. 
Shukavang, what is one step at a time without progress? You don't know about the other steps. Just simply put, you've heard me say, get to the cushion. Coming back to the title of the of the uh, of the talk, what was it? Full intention. Full intention. Full, full intention. The only thing you need to do is get to that cushion, sit down, sit symmetrical, and receive what is happening. I'm watching my. If I do something. <laughs> I got bored for a minute, but I'm back. I'm back. Other questions? Yu Hongbaoying, sorry, back to the storehouse. So, relatively, people say that a lot of healing, if I say I healed by certain things, relatively speaking, as what you mentioned, nothing, no one is healed. There's nothing to heal. But, relatively, how can I look at the healing part? You can look at it both ways. You can look at it relatively. Uh, a wound in your arm is going to heal, unless you're, if you're healthy enough for it to heal. It's going to change because the very nature of, of, the, of the relative truth is it, it, it plays into its own rule book. So it's going to operate in a predictable way. That's why it's so, it's so confusing because it looks like, because everything is so relative and that area is such a strong illusion. Just like, as I sometimes say, just like watching a movie or watching a play. While you're watching it, that's the world. But like when you're in the middle of a dream, that's the world. Things in that dream function in that dreamscape uh, with some predictability, at least in retrospect. You look back and you can see why this showed up. Maybe you can't do it uh, while you're in the midst of the dream. But also, all things are ultimately uh, unreal and not separate. And that's the other polarity. So you have relative truth, which is right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, you and me, life and death, and all the relativity. And then you have the absolute, which is nothing happens. And you can actually see that those two things are not separate from each other. This relative world, uh, if you see what this is, you see Buddha, you see the Buddha, you don't see anything but the truth all the time. And when I say all the time, even that's extra because time is uh, no longer has its linear quality. It's always this, always. I'm not saying there's no past nor future. What am I saying? There's no past and there's no future. Christopher. So um, the, the silk is on in this direction. When it uh, glitches, is that like indicative of being more like aware of like awakened state because it's compared to like the Sokazan in this direction because it's, it's kind of like obvious, like signal? Like, is this like Sokazan like more tr true or closer or something? No, that's Sokazan having a milkshake. <laughs> No, I, I follow where you're going, and I don't mean to be rude to you, but I'm saying, uh, to, to elaborate, keep it very simple. When you could, if you go into that elaboration, there are people much smarter than I am, scholarly people that would go in and mix it up with you relative to concepts uh, of uh, on uh, the whole 
display of those down through the centuries of teachers disagreeing about the nature of reality, agreeing up with it, uh, empty of other, empty of self, chen-tong, hong-tong, all of those. And, and it's not that they're not interesting, but what I'm recommending you do is study those, of course, studying with Sangha. So you have Dharma and Sangha are doing this together and then train your mind. Find a place to sit down. This monastery is available. Sit down, hold still, and just watch the movement of your own personal mind stream. Come and go, come and go, come and go, until it doesn't do that. Are we done? Wino says we're done, and we usually do what she says. Not all the time. <laughs> Bukerchi, Bukerchi. <laughs> okay, we'll do the. What are we going to do, Onyo? Uh, dedication of merit, usually. Let's penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can rise with us. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokukoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokukoji.org.